Hey guys, it's Liz, and you are listening to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, where we give people the chance to write a letter to their younger selves in hopes that we can learn a little bit from their lives. Hey guys, welcome to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, and today we have Roger Vizzo in the studio with us today. Roger is in his late 50s, (laughs) and he is my well, I guess former boss now because you're making a job transition but I have worked with Roger for I don't how many years have we 2011. worked 2011 since 2011 so, so 10, 10 years, years yeah. we've worked together he is one of my mentors he is awesome he's been in ministry for 36 years 36 <laughs> years but direct ministry for 25 yeah he's transitioning his role to work at our youth for Christ national movement as more of a chapter um, consultant, coach. coach, liaison in that to just help the national movement and other Youth for Christ chapters around the nation. And so I am sad to lose Roger as my boss, but I know he will always be around as my mentor. And so I'm not, I'm like sad, but not big sad. Like I would be if he was just leaving for forever. So Roger, you've been in ministry for a, a long time. and You were going to say really long time. Really- <laughs> He's been, you've been in ministry for a really, really long time. <laughs> and, um, but that takes a lot of longevity. It takes a lot of, of knowing your calling. It takes a lot of confidence to, to work in a field that is sometimes very unforgiving, sometimes very thankful, thankless. And you put a lot of heart and soul into, into what we do. So what has led you to the point of of doing ministry and especially for doing it for this long. Yeah, um, yeah. It just it goes back to you know all of our stories. It, oftentimes, what we end up doing, what we do in life, is I think influenced a lot by the experience we had young, when we were younger. And um, you know, I had a great childhood. I grew up on the other side of the state, Crown Point, Indiana. Played sports, had amazing friendships, and you know the Sandlot movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my life. I mean, we had a, a sandlot we'd go to. We'd always meet there. If we weren't playing baseball or football or something, we would make up games. We would play kick the can. I mean, we just did stuff like that. We were on our bikes all day long. Yeah. And I had a, an amazing childhood. And I loved my family. We had a great family. We had a lot of great vacations. We camped all the time. But it was in my in the middle school years, something you just you started. Well, part of it is you start paying attention to things a little more when you're a middle schooler. Yeah, your you know? eyes kind of open a little bit more. Yeah, and all of a sudden you realize like oh, this perfect family isn't perfect anymore mm-hmm. and or maybe it never was. Yeah. And then you started realizing there's a lot of tension between mom and dad. And long story short, we basically just watched my our parents' marriage just kind of fall apart. I won't go into all the reasons. There's so many different reasons, but um what happened is as I moved into adolescence, I kind of lost my dad. Yeah. Um he moved away Moved to Chicago, wasn't that far away, but um, just never showed up anymore. And so I never I never put this word on it back then, but today you would say, you you know, there's an issue of abandonment, you mm. know, feeling like, why isn't dad here? I played high school sports all my life. I was starting quarterback for a couple of years, and I think dad got to one game. And yeah. those are just kind of things like, you, you know, you, you kind of look up in the stands and hope that he might be there. And I remember those moments. And Yeah, um, you like make a great play and you're like, did my dad see that? And yeah. He's not there. 
Yeah, and then and then even afterwards, if you had a great game, you'd hope that when he talked to you, he'd ask you about the game. Mm. And that just never happened. Yeah. Now, I will say, right alongside of that, as much as dad just kind of disappeared, mom was one of those moms that, you know, Roger, you could have played pro football. Oh, yeah. She was so, hyping you up. Yeah. So, and then she was, she was just one of those moms that also, after the game, just talked it up. You know, she just talked about everything. That one patch you threw and this, you know, those, those kind of things. She was always so complimentary and shit. And I, and mom knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she knew she was kind of making up a void there. And, um, but yet there is this void. We all need our parents. We need both our mom and our dad's voices. And, uh, my dad's just kind of disappeared. And so that really became my journey in terms of, you know, I started trying to figure out who I was and I did that in high school, as you can all imagine, is, and a lot of your guests have so- talked about, just you make mistakes, you pursue things you shouldn't pursue, try to find your identity, and I was getting lost pretty quickly. Yeah. And um, I was, I dated a girl that uh, her dad was just, uh, I know this now, he was just a, a follower of Jesus. Um, he was a man of means, but he just talked about the things that he had and and how God had blessed them. And he just said, if, if he took it all the way today, it wouldn't change how I live for him. Mm-hmm. I had never heard stuff like that before. And I've never seen someone live their life the way he did. And he didn't preach at me. He just kind of loved me. He just, he would talk to me about what I hoped to do out of, after high school. He just, be, he was kind of playing the role of a father figure. Yeah. And I didn't know it at the time. I looked back on it and realized like he was pretty darn intentional about mm-hmm. what he was doing in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and not, well, yeah, you're dating his daughter. He's got to make sure you're. Yeah, that's go. right. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> well, we we uh, that relationship did not continue, mm-hmm. um, and really, my relationship with him did not either. Um, it just becomes you know high school relationships. It's I love you today, but tomorrow we're broken up, and now we don't talk to each other for the rest of our lives. Yes, and so I just I never talked with him either. But um, there was a moment. It started something in me. And I had enough church experience, enough about Jesus that I knew there was something out there, but I hadn't pursued it or even know how to pursue it. Hmm. Um, and I can, I, I've talked about this before, but I was actually at this spot in the country at my hometown about three or four years ago with my wife. We were driving through Crown Point, hmm. and I just stopped. She goes, what are you doing? I was at an intersection. I said, right here, I remember making a right turn. And it was driving away from a high school party where I put down my drink and I just said, I'm sick of this. Yeah. And I drove, I physically drove away from it. And I can remember that corner right there. Mm. I had had not planned on going to that corner, but I realized that that was a real turning point. Yeah. And like a physical turning point because you actually had to turn your car. Yeah. But it has, it symbolized so much more for you in all that. So before even that moment, where was God growing up for you. Yeah. So we were a good church family. Okay. Um, I remember saying yes to Jesus one time and it was a Baptist church and I, you know, I mean, every Sunday was the message of Mm -hmm. salvation. And this time, I don't know, I I just felt really compelled. I was 12 years old and I prayed the prayer. Yeah. And um, I went home and we had our extended family and I told my mom and I felt like my family just patted me on the back. Oh, that's so good. That's good, cute. Good for you. And no one talked to me about anything after that ever again. Mm. I mean, there was no discipleship. There was no understanding who Jesus was. And I just like, I just 
kind of got my fire insurance policy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so as years later is like when I was 17, I was a junior, I was at that party and I just said, I'm done with this. And that turning point that right there, I just began to pursue Jesus. I didn't know how to do it, mm-hmm. but I just started reading. I started talking to people and I remembered conversations I had with, with his name was Roger. And, um, and then from there, I, I went to Huntington College shortly after that. Yeah. And that became my discipleship journey. Mm. Going to that Christian university because you knew you weren't going to get that kind of education where you were at. And you were a new believer, but just jumping into college. And it's one of those moments where you had to decide, do I want to go to a like big school and like try really hard to continue to pursue my faith? Or do I want to go to a smaller Christian school and know that they're going to disciple me and know that this is like top priority yeah. for my life? Yeah. And so Huntington College is a great choice. Well, university now. But yeah. it's a great choice for that as we both went to Huntington. <laughs> and a lot of our listeners are um, alumni of Huntington University as well. And so after you made that decision to go to a small Christian college, did your family push back on you? Did people not understand why you were going there? <laughs> what What was all of that like? Yeah, I think they, they didn't know. Uh-huh. I mean, they they didn't like, they never heard of Huntington College. Uh, they and actually, my sister had gone to. She was she's eight years older than me. She had gone to Indiana University, and I think people expected that's what you're supposed to do. You yeah. go to Purdue or Indiana. Uh-huh. And um, but they didn't know, and really. Our family was so broken up at that time. I didn't have a lot of people asking me anything. Okay. I really felt like I raised myself mm. in high school. And that is not to say anything about my mother other than she had to learn how to provide for the family, go get a job, and she worked around the clock. And I essentially was on my own all the time. So when I made the decision, it just felt really uneventful Yeah. until I got there and I, I, I remember visiting, and I hear this with a lot of people when they visit Huntington Colleges, you just you just kind of felt the atmosphere of it, and like, I really, really like this place. And it was the first time I really experienced biblical community mm-hmm. and had these amazing relationships that just helped me and walked with me. And I was so, so grateful for that. So it's it was a plus... I did entertain playing football somewhere, so I did look down, you know, at the enemy's territory, at Taylor, <laughs> and uh, just. But I, I drove away from there, and when I went to Huntington next, I just knew that's where I needed to go. Yeah, you just had that sense of peace in that mm-hmm. this is it. This is where God is calling me for this next steps in my life. Yep. And you, what did you choose to major in? <laughs> Not ministry. <laughs> uh-huh. It was uh, business uh, thinking. I wanted to be a businessman like he was. Like Roger? And, yeah. Your mentor. And and I did have this, though. Um, the My life pursuit was I wanted to make a difference in young people's lives because he stepped in, and I recognized at that point, like, oh, I know what he was doing now. Mm-hmm. And, like, I want to do that. I want to I want to walk with people. And so here's the long story short is God said, yeah. We're going to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're not going to be in business because you probably won't be great at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on a missions trip my junior year. It was through an internship in Youth for Christ. And I, I was telling Cindy the other day, um, there's these moments sometimes when you, I don't know, if you when you just, sometimes you experience something and it brings you back to a memory. Mm-hmm. Anytime I get on my roof and like clean out my gutters, when I stand on my garage roof, 
it takes me back to my junior year. I was on top of a roof in a, in a church in Dominican Republic that we had just built. Okay. And I was just kind of learning to walk with Jesus. And here are these young staff from YFC and young adults. And they started just turning to the mountains. The sun was setting over the mountains and we were singing amazing grace because mm-hmm. God just, we just saw God show up so many, so many ways that week. Yeah. That was so powerful for me. I'd never experienced anything like that. And it was that evening where I just was wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. I didn't know what it was. And I just felt like God telling me, you know, like ministry is going to be your pursuit Mm -hmm. and kids will be your pursuit, but ministry is the avenue. So I went back and tried to figure out like, all right, what do I do with a business (laughs) degree? (laughs) So I kind of worked that out. And um, so that was how I went into ministry is because I just, God just drew me into that through mm. that experience of someone investing in me. Mm. So. Yeah. And during your time at Huntington University, when you think about the moments that you have grown, like that you grew the most, what were some of the things that enabled that growth to happen? Mm. Because there's a lot of people that had that moment at a party where they're like, why am I doing this? They put it down, then they leave, but then nothing else happens and the the feeling leaves. So how did you convert it from a feeling to something foundational that you you knew that this is something you wanted? Yeah. So one of the things that I see young people do uh, all through my life is they say yes to Jesus and they still try to keep a little bit of this in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they try to do, they just walk the fence and it just never works. It never works because he wants to be Lord of your life. Yeah. And I just made a decision my freshman year, like, I've got to be all in. And because I know who I am, that's why I could not go to a state school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I knew enough that I didn't have, I needed to grow, I needed to mature. And and I also had some pain I had to get past. And I didn't, I didn't know that part. Hmm. God brings that up eventually when you're ready for that. Yeah. So I'll go, that's another story. But I, I just drank in every experience I could. The worship, chapels, people hated chapels. I love chapels. Yeah. Friendships, Bible studies in our in our dorms, I loved them. Mm-hmm. I, I just I look forward to them. I needed. I never had anything like that. Yeah. And so, and then just any experience like the mission trip and things like that. I just I poured my life into that. And so I was a part of student senate. The body, I was just did all kinds of things on campus. I learned a lot about leadership in that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I realize now that I, it really isn't that big of a deal, but <laughs> but it felt it kind of was for yeah, me yeah. because I learned just how to be a representative of other people. Mm-hmm. And so there's just, a, I mean, Huntington College, is, there was so many things that, and then I got to sit on the board of trustees because I was the president of the Senate. And um, I just, and by the way, I'm the first whoever was the student body president two years in a row. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Way to so, go, legend. <laughs> so I remember being on the board and Dr. Rausch, Ed Rausch, who was a congressman out of our town, um, was on our board and he used to come and just he was just he re- reminded me of Jimmy Stewart he's just one of those godly men that came alongside and just mentored me mm. um, Dr. Habecker and so many others and I was so I was in the I, I was I did not belong there at all yeah but they didn't they never treated me that way they treated me as if I belonged there and because of that I kind of started believing that mm. as a leader yeah and that was really cool yeah it's like they they <clears throat> essentially carried you into a position that you didn't really work that hard for, but they supported you through it and, and helped launch you to a greater thing than you thought that you could do. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and so in your in your so in your story, it sounds like what it took was full surrender, being all in, and then mentors in your life. Yeah, right? um, exactly. As a, as a teen and as a, a young adult. And so then throughout the rest of, of ministry, what are maybe some of those other huge pivotal moments for you that helped solidify your faith and solidify your position in ministry? And this, where do you see God in, yeah. in all of this? Oh, man, there's so many. I would just tell you that at Huntington College, my freshman year, I met Cindy, who is now my wife. And that was a game changer because she came from a, a some very strong family of faith. And her family has been such a blessing to me. And and I, I never throw my family under the bus. I absolutely love, dearly love my family. But I recognize we just, we there are things we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I realized they had what we didn't have. And I just said, I told Cindy, I said, if there's a day we get married, I... I, I will not, my kids will not experience what I experienced as a teenager. Yeah. And so I went to every single game. I went to a lot of practices, which is kind of what you do in youth ministry too, uh-huh. by the way. <laughs> and I was just present. I wanted to make sure that they knew that we were there. And still today, even as my children are adults, we try to show up. We try to make sure that they know that we will be there. Mm-hmm. And um, that's been a driving um, principle in my in my marriage and in family as a dad, and so uh, it's been a beautiful journey with Cindy, and she's been an amazing partner in ministry, and that was a game changer for me. Mm. So, yeah, I think those are some uh, that that's that was our kind of talking and dreaming about our family together was really really cool. Yeah, and you had mentioned a little bit earlier that it also took a lot of healing, mm. and I think sometimes we maybe as Christians expect to start following Jesus and then all of our, all of our baggage just goes away because, you know, we gave it to the Lord, right? Like he can take our baggage away and then we don't have to think about it anymore. At least that's what I would love for that to happen. But how did you work through that healing process of the scars that you had and the stuff you carried from your childhood? And it always comes into adulthood. You can't escape that kind of stuff, even though you'd love to. So how did you work through all of that? I learned a great principle. You just take it and you push it down. Uh, <laughs> don't listen to him. <laughs> so actually, over the Christmas break, Kara was here and we were watching Littlefoot. Mm. Yeah. And, and that whole the whole thing was they're kind of living on this lie, and the the leader. Anytime you have questions, you push them down. Okay. And so we just Cindy, Kara, and I are looking at each other like, oh my goodness, that is so ridiculous. <laughs> but that is exactly what people do. Yeah. They just push it down, and so. Um, here's the thing, I, there, you know, being in ministry and ministry training, you you begin to recognize that, um, in in, if you're going to be in the gospel, if you're going to be in God's word, you've got to deal with your own stuff if you're going to help people find Jesus. Yeah. And so the Bible does that. I think uh, just being in the culture of Youth for Christ and in the church, uh, you learn to do that. And so when if you're calling other people to do that, you kind of have to deal with your own stuff. But then there are times when you think you've dealt with it, and then God says. Yeah, we need to we need to complete this. Yeah. And there was a time where I was praying on my front porch. I was reading. I was praying for my family, and I never knew really how to pray for my dad because mm-hmm. um, our relationship as adults was the bears, the weather, never about my job and what I do. Because it was almost as if he were embarrassed about what I did because yeah. he didn't he didn't have a framework for it. Mm-hmm. 
I felt like God said to me almost audibly saying, when are you going to release your dad from your expectations? Hmm. And what I what he meant by that was I expected dad to continue to be this dad that I needed back in high school and middle school. And I'm thinking, and God just said, you don't need that anymore. Yeah. You needed it then, but I provided that through other people for you. So when are you going to let him go? And when are you going to begin to see him the way I see him? And all of a sudden, um, <laughs> I I did. I really I didn't know what that meant, but what it meant was he was going to give me empathy for my dad. Yeah. And I saw him through a different light completely. So I quit seeing him through the as a broken man, that or um, and someone that I was mad at. Yeah. And didn't do something for me, but I saw him as he needed Jesus. Yeah. And he needed people to understand him, and he he didn't have that himself in his own life. And so I realized that God was bringing me full circle to bring Jesus back to him. And so, and he just passed away uh, a few years ago, and I had that opportunity to just chat with him about, you know, his faith. And I knew he had grown up around the church, but it was not this personal relationship with Jesus that I had found. Yeah, he just observed the church. He mm -hmm. wasn't really a part of it. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, so that's, that's how you deal with, I mean, deal with it sometimes intentionally. Sometimes you're great authors are great mentors, but then sometimes God just says, we're going to talk about this now. Yeah. And he puts people in your life to do that. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, that's the beautiful thing about God and his Holy Spirit is he, he is going to counsel you. He is going to walk alongside of you because he loves you right the way you are. But he also loves you enough that he's not going to keep you there because there's so much more. Yeah. And I feel like that's what he lovingly did for me. Mm. And and you gave God space, right? You yeah. you said you mm. were sitting on your front porch praying. And so many times we don't even take that space. So we miss those words from God because we don't give the Lord space. If So if you had spent that entire time reading the gospels, thinking about Jesus, like even just praying your list of prayers. And then you're like, okay, I'm done. You know, here we go. But sitting and listening to God yeah. is, is so hard. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people really struggle with is sitting, calming the, their thoughts. I struggle with that at times, just calming my thoughts, putting your phone down, not having distractions around you and just listening. Yeah. You know? And so I know you've done a lot of work with solitude and silence and you've been to Ruth Haley Barton's transforming center and worked through a lot of those things. And so what, how did you usher in that silence and that solitude to get to that space? Yeah, I think it, and that's a kind of a learned behavior. It's a learned value. Yeah. You have and to practice it. You do, you really do. And man, we are, the pace of our lives are so fast and it really was. I mean, there was just some books that, I mean, you sometimes in ministry, and you know this, Liz. I mean, there's just times where you just you don't feel like you could take another step. You just you hit exhaustion, and some of that's emotional, some of that's spiritual, some of it's physical. You know, it's just all of the wrapped up, and you get to the place where you you will stop. Yeah. I mean, if you don't stop purposely, you will stop eventually. Mm-hmm. You'll <laughs> run out of gas. Yeah, and I I, I remember it was. Um, we had a foster daughter. Uh, her name is Sabrina. We brought, and I call her foster daughter. She was never through the system. We just opened our home door for three and a half years, and she was in our home. And it was um, she was going off to college, so we did a two week vacation out west to the Grand Canyon. And 
uh, I knew I was tired, and I, I, I wouldn't call it burnout, mm-hmm. but we drove out there, and we were in Winnebago, so if I'm, I wasn't driving, I could be sleeping or playing games with the kids, and it was just like, this is an amazing vacation. We're out there with Cindy's extended family, but I remember one day... I was I used to run back then. You may not know that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in our campground. I ran out of the campground back up to the Grand Canyon, the, the rim. And it was sunset, and the sun was setting, and I was just there. I just stood there. Mm. And in that silence, there was just I, – I faced my brokenness and my exhaustion and the feeling that I don't think I can take another step in ministry. Mm. And I, I didn't like where I was, and I was broken – and but that was the turning point, and I got on this journey of learning how to put that quiet. Just I, that I was standing there in front of his sunset, his creation. Yeah. And by the the Grand Canyon can in do a that to you. Beautiful place. <laughs> the Grand Canyon drops you to your knees and it makes does. you worship God, no matter. Yeah, the where majesty you're of God. You realize like there's oh. so much more of who He is that I don't know, and that was a big part of it too. Is like I don't stop long enough to know Him. Mm. And so that just started this journey. So it was authors, it was people, it was good friends like Dave Ron and Jerry Davis. And we would have these conversations together. Dave and I would go to the cafe and just kind of talk about that stuff all the time. Yeah. So th- that was really, really valuable. And then my, one day my, my son asked me one time when he was going off to college, Dad, who is your mentor? And I stopped and I said, oh, I don't have one. Mm-hmm. He goes, what? I said, I don't have one. I have a lot of mentors. Yeah. And some of them are authors. And some of them, every stage of my journey, God put different people in my life to mentor me. Mm-hmm. So I actually started writing down the list of people that God put in my life. And they're not just men. There's some godly women in our movement mm-hmm. that have spoken in your life that have spoken into my life, yeah. too. And and that's the beautiful thing, too, is of the body of Christ, is that God brings amazing people into your life like that. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, and you were open to listen to them. Mm. Like, I think a lot of times, I know when I was younger, there was lots of times where I was praying and was like, God, bring me a mentor in my life and, and, and all of that. And I'm like, man, man, God, why aren't you bringing this one mentor into my life? And then I had to realize, like, I need to ask people for it and I need to pursue those mentors. Yeah. I need to pursue those people to speak into my life. And I need to be really intentional about that time because mentors aren't just going to fall from the sky when I pray for them. You just, you have to be really intentional to sit at the feet of different people to hear what they have to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And you have to have that, that heart to, to notice the people God is bringing in your life to speak to you. Cause it might not be the one person that you're like really praying for to be your mentor. It might be some person that goes to your church that says hi to you every day or it might be your boss it might be you know different people in your life that you might be missing because they don't don't fit in that mold Mm -hmm. that you're looking for and it might be someone that you don't agree with a lot yeah sometimes you need to hear those kind of voices too not just someone that's going to sit and come alongside of you and agree with everything that's going on but sometimes you need someone that just says you know what you need? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You need those. <laughs> you walk away a little frustrated with them, but you realize they're right. Uh huh. <laughs> We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, but sometimes we have different views. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so as you're thinking about your life and thinking about your mentor, Roger, and all of these other people that have spoken into your life, what has been maybe some of the best advice that you've learned from some of those those people that you've you've heard from? Um, I would say that best advice is obviously 
just continue to pursue Jesus. Yeah. And you might think you know him, but there's so much more to know. Mm-hmm. And until you take your last breath on this earth, you're never going to fully know him. Yeah. And that might be frustrating to some people, but to me, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you can, you know, I mean, you can read a verse 10 years ago and all of a sudden you read it today. And what you might be living through today, that verse means something completely different to you today. Yeah. So there's so much more to, to know and to understand of who he is. And understanding, too, not only the Father, but the Son and the Holy Spirit. And really pursuing, lately it's been a lot about, I just really want to understand more of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I know he's guided me, and I, know, I just like, I really want to know, and I don't feel like our theological camps, our systems, yeah. it can explain God that way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's experiencing God's spirit in, in a very real way. So I think pursuing him, but also um, putting people around you that are going to gonna drive you to him, yeah, but that are also going to walk with you in the good stuff and the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really important to have. Yeah. Because I, I know like you're your mentors and the people that you have mentioned always push you to to Christ and to continue to have those conversations and to yeah. not leave any stone unturned, to not leave any question unasked and to not engage in like to pull that thread a little bit more. You know, you're friends with Dave Ron, who is <laughs> super theological, smart guy. And I, I know he always pushes you to pull that thread yeah. a little bit more. Like any question you have, Pull that thread. See where yeah, it goes. Right. See see what happens. Yep. In all of that. That's that's so cool. And it's it's so cool to see that those things are the things that help sustain you through ministry mm-hmm. all these years. Is not reading the right ministry books or pursuing the right kind of leadership strategy. It's pursuing Jesus, remaining in your calling, and keeping people in your life. Right. You know, godly people to push you towards him over yep. and over again. Yep. Yeah. So right now. I'd love for you to read your letter to your younger self. Dear younger me, hold on. Things are going to get interesting. First of all, I know that life's an adventure, and adventures are not adventures if everything goes perfect. So expect to experience some bumps in the road. There will be surprises, and you should expect some pain. Expect some disappointment and some pretty ugly stuff. But in this adventure, expect to have your mind blown by God through his son Jesus and all that he's done for you and the guidance of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Expect to be amazingly blessed by the people that God puts in your life. Expect to be surprised, overwhelmed by the abundant blessing he brings through your life, through your marriage, through your family, your friends, your work, your mission, and the body of Christ. Enjoy this journey and drink it in because it goes fast. The love and the provision that God gives he will show up time and time again. So embrace that when it comes. And even when it's not there, continue to lean into him and trust him. People aren't always going to be who they say they are. They will disappoint you and they will hurt you. Bad things will happen and they will happen to good people and sometimes even you. There will be times where you'll see injustice and it will infuriate you. But do all that you can, as Micah says, act justly, love mercy, Walk humbly with God and enjoy the abundance that he brings. And even though there will be some of this pain, and even these are some of the things that God will grow some of the most beautiful things out of your life, out of the brokenness of your life and in this world. So for just as, for 2 Corinthians is a verse I, I hold on to. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, 
so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So remember that even though this world's going to bring some suffering, and even though God's going to allow you to suffer and experience some pain, he's going to be there. He is going to comfort you, and he is going to grow you in so many ways. So remember, God is the I am. He is always faithful, and he's always there. Pursue him with all your heart and with all your life, because that's what he did for you. He loves everything about you. But here's the cool thing. He loves not only who you are, but who you can become. And that's where the magic happens. God knows who you can become. And he knows how to help you get there because he created you. So enjoy the journey. There's so many awesome things that you will experience. Go in with eyes wide open and an open heart and and surround yourself with the people I call life givers that will be on the journey with you, that will make the journey even deeper. Enjoy not only the pain, but also the beautiful truths that he brings in your life. Hold dearly to these things. And so now to him who is immeasurably, who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. So may your life bring glory to God. You've got this, Raj. Love me. Hmm. I love when you were just talking about like embracing the moment that mm. you have. And it makes me think about that moment where you had that pivotal decision to leave that party and to move forward from all of that. And um, I'm imagining you're talking to that that younger self that in that moment of like you're making the right decision. Yeah. You're you're doing something so good. And I love that you're just saying like God loves you where you're at, but he loves who you could be too. And just that that um slingshotting of someone. Like mm-hmm. sometimes we have to be pulled back to be released, to fly even farther forward. Yeah. You know, and I just, I think that is such a valuable lesson to learn in in all of that. And so as you have grown, as you have become the person you are today, what are some of the big um, principles or verses that have really sustained you through all of these years? Yeah. I think those verses that I cited um, in the letter was like Ephesians 3, uh, 2021, you know, he just wants to do so much more than we can imagine. And man, we look, Cindy and I look back in our lives and we just see what God's done and we just, we smile. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes the kids will call and they'll say, hey, you know that thing we've been praying for? Here's what happened. Matter of fact, Kara just in the last uh, 60 days, uh, God just healed her mm-hmm. and in her thyroid and some of these, just her body has been healed and she'd been praying for this healing. And, um, and I remember, this is the moment that I think this captures all the other moments. I was on the phone with her, and she got a, a letter from the, the clinic, and it was about her thyroid. And if it was at a certain level, that would mean she could be off the thyroid medicine, that her thyroid is actually working the way it should again. Hmm. And she opened it, and she read it, and she just said, Dad, it's normal. Hmm. And she just started crying, and I started crying, and we started laughing yeah, because we just found this abundant abundance from God, this healing, this blessing from God. We just trusted him with it for months and months and months, and mm-hmm. we kept praying. And um, and we've, we have all seen this in our family where we've just seen God. We pray, like right now, we're kind of in a three-week journey as a family praying together about a lot of things in all of our lives. Yeah. And we often see, we'll see God do, make major moves during those times. Or it'll oftentimes go back to this prayer time, what we were praying for. So um, man, that's just the abundance. Um, and the abundance doesn't always mean 
cash <laughs> or, <laughs> right? you know, wealth. It's like this amazing blessing in his presence in your life that it just kind of transcends the, what the world's all about. And you realize, like, it's nothing about that stuff. Yeah. It's really understanding who he is. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. So as you're thinking about people that are, especially like young people that are maybe in that spot where they've they've held this this life that they have the the partying the the pursuing other things the trying to fill the holes in their life the 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 broken family the you know whatever those are and they have this moment this turning point moment what advice do you have for someone who who might be in that moment right now yeah so however you get to that moment um, it, and it could be sometimes where God allows us to get to the very bottom. Um, it's not over. And he is he's a God who restores. He's a God that rescues. And sometimes we may carry scars and pain the rest of our lives because of maybe decisions we made or even what other people did to us. Mm-hmm. But God will take that and it will actually drive some of the amazing things that he does in and through your life. So I read a devotional a while back friend of mine, he's an editor in the Youth Ministry Magazine, and he called, he this one was, uh, he's called it Jiu-Jitsu Jesus. Okay. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I shared it with you, but the idea of Jiu-Jitsu is an art form that you take the energy that the enemy is coming at you, and you actually flip it and use that energy for the good, for your offense. Mm. And he just talked about, he goes, any time the enemy comes at you and is bringing accusations or discouragement, lean into Jesus because he'll take that and flip it around and actually use that same energy and do something beautiful in your life. Mm. So my dad, I feel like that has always been the driving factor in my why I have been involved in youth ministry all my life. I love young people. I love the energy and the creativity and just the, the love and joy they have for life. But I, I hate watching them in the pain that they have. Sometimes it's because of their families. Sometimes it's because of this crappy culture in high school and middle school. And it's, you know, the, you know what it's like out there. And I l- love just leaning in and being, hopefully bringing a presence into their life and help in bringing others into their life the way a, a father should, the way a mother should, the way somebody should to bring them Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that, so God just kind of took that negative experience and kind of flipped it as a positive driving experience in my life. Yeah. And and that's, that's not the only one, but there's been so many like that, you know, and so I'm really, really grateful for that. Hmm. Yeah. So in you have, when you have those moments, not to be defeated, not to just lay down and be like, oh, well, I'm too far gone. I've made too many mistakes or my family's too messed up or I'm not smart enough to do ministry or whatever those things are that are going around in your head. Or it could be like, I am currently in this mess too deep. There's no way I could climb out myself. Yeah, It's it's knowing that God is able to shift all of those things, even the thing that you feel the most shame about in your life. He can shift all of them for his good. Yep. And nothing is too big for him. If you think about scripture and you think about the disciples, you think about Paul who was murdering Christians and walking around destroying people's lives. And God said, no, I want you. And he shifted Paul's Paul's energy and his passion 
to be towards Jesus instead. And so he took that same, he didn't totally change who Paul was as a person. Yes, he changed his name from Saul to Paul, but he still used that same energy, that same fire that he had for the opposite of killing people and for this one camp to fall in Christ. And now he's like, wrote uh, so much of the Bible and is this, this pillar of strength in the Christian tradition and somebody everybody looks up to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, that's a great example. And matter of fact, I'm preparing to uh, speak on a message on, on Paul and I'm doing, I'm reading through his story right now and just, it made me think about it, but you just use that of just saying, God just used that. I mean, the, the this negative energy and negative story, God just flipped it for yeah. His kingdom. Yeah, that's and I love watching that. It's so cool to see that. And we, we, you and I have seen that. We're seeing kids. We're like, man, they're on a path of destruction, and somehow, some way, they woke up. Oftentimes, we, you and I, know the Holy Spirit's doing a work in their life, and they get to that critical point, and all of a sudden, it flips around. And then you, we love watching them live their life for Jesus unashamedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's so cool to watch that. And that's encouraging to me. I mean, that's an inspiration for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's being all in. It's not turning back. And it's running as hard as you can towards Jesus and his people. Yep. That that really helps sustain that foundation and keeps us going for this long. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So Roger, thank you so much for coming in today and for speaking and for sharing your, your wisdom and your heart. I love working with you. I love <laughs> hanging out with you and and gleaming wisdom from you in life and just your passion for your family, for for God and your desire to continue growing. After all of these years, there is no stopping the desire for growth. Mm-hmm. You've never arrived. And I appreciate that about you so much is the humility that you bring to your leadership. And so thank you so much for, for being here and for caring about youth and for being awesome and we love you roger and so everybody at home thank you so much for listening and for um, being a part of this journey and make sure you go and like and subscribe to us on spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever else podcasts are found and guys today i hope you learned a little bit more about roger a little bit more about yourself and a lot about god go out and have an awesome day amen